A few years ago, I had the uh, privilege of leading a Bible study at uh, Rams Training Camp at University of California at Irvine, and we were doing a study of the book of Genesis. And it was during this particular study that one of the guys asked me a question that was a rather intriguing question. It ties in real well with what we're going to be discussing today. And it, was a, and it was a question that I've given a lot of thought to. But before I tell you the question, you need to understand what the context of the study was. We were going through the book of Genesis. We were studying, which, which uh, for those who, are, who aren't familiar with the book of Genesis, it's the book of actual origins or beginnings. Uh, literally, that's what Genesis means. So it was a book of beginnings. And we got to Genesis 1.1, and we were going through the book of Genesis. It said, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the deep. And then God said, and then the creation process, as is outlined in the Bible, takes place. And, uh, and he had this look on his face, and I knew that he had a question, and he interrupted me. and said, look, I got, I got a question. I said, well, okay, what is it? He said, you know what, no one's ever been able to answer this question. And as a result, I haven't really been too interested in God. Now, I'm feeling a lot of pressure here. You know, this, this man's interest in God is going to hinge on how I answer the question that he was about to ask. But I thought it was interesting, it was fascinating, and it's always interesting in a group of people when you have somebody who wants to ask a question. And uh, so I said, well, what is it? He said, we're going through this, and here it is. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, and there's one thing that seems to be assumed here. And I said, what's that? He said, well, that God exists. I said, yeah, that's true. I said, well, if God exists and he created everything, what I want to know is, and he went down through, he said, who made God? Who made God? When was God born? Who created God? What a great question. And it's a logical question because in his mind, as he wanted to explain, he said, look, everything has a beginning and everything has an end. And if everything has a beginning and everything has an end, then here it is, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, it's assuming that before the beginning, God existed. That's a great point. Exactly. And what's funny is, you know... <laughs> I know, and, and you gotta, well, that's true. That's, ex that's exactly the point. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, but if God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning, what was it the beginning of? And when did God begin? I'll tell you what, that's a great question. And when somebody tells me that they've never been really interested in God because that question's never been answered, it makes you realize how important a question it is for all of us to consider because there's a tremendous assumption there. If we're going to tell the world that God created the universe, then we must also have some type of answer for how did God get here before everything began? It's a good question. So I, I know that as you think about this, it's going to be an interesting study as we consider all this. But if, if you think about it, see, you know, to a non-religious person, to believe that God existed before everything began must be very difficult to understand. And even to many of those who profess a belief in God, it's not an easy thing to comprehend. Because what we're, what we're talking about is, is that God is eternal. You know, Christians, Jews, and many other religious people believe that God is eternal. That He's had no beginning, that He'll have no end, and that's basically what we're talking about. And as you struggle with all this, is that really possible? From everything that we know, is that consistent with the facts that have been revealed to us that there could be a being who had no beginning or had no end when everything in our mind logically starts sequentially, it begins and it ends. There's a start and there's a finish. 
And yet now we're being told, and is that consistent with what the Bible teaches? You know, I was driving down the street, and my, my, our daughter had a soccer game yesterday, and I was driving past a church, and they had their marquee up, and, the, and the, uh, the, the sermon message, or the message was, God is born. Now, you think about this. Christians all over the world, this coming week, will celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, who we believe is God in human flesh. The birth of Christ. God is born. Well, if that's when he was born, is that when he began to exist? God is born. Or did he exist before he was born? But how can that be if... Did we exist before we were born? I don't... You know, it's, it, those are difficult questions to comprehend. But they're ones that we must understand. If we're truly to know God, we have to understand what it means to be eternal. The big problem that I see as I go through all this, and the one that will give us all a headache, is trying to understand the whole concept of eternity. Well, again, let me ask you a question. Because it's obligatory. Mark told me the format. I, I, I do a lawyer joke first. See, I mean, we got it nailed down. I said, okay, first you do a lawyer joke. Then you do the question-answer thing, which has nothing to do with anything that you ever discuss. And then you do whatever it is that you really came to do. So this is the obligatory question-answer thing. But think about this. How do you measure eternity? Think about it. How do you typically measure eternity, or is it something that you really never think of? Huh? Why not? Yeah, we can't comprehend it. Why can't you comprehend it? But we try to, though, right? And, and, and how do we usually measure eternity? By time. Is that correct? We usually measure eternity by time. It's a long time. Well, how long a time is it? Is that true? It's a long, long time. Well, 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 maybe it's even longer, longer time than that. So you're trying to understand eternity and measuring it in time is something that just, it, it contradicts itself. You can't measure something that is eternal or that'll go on forever by some measurement of time which tries to cause it to stop or to have a beginning. When did eternity begin? It's like saying, when will eternity end? How long is eternity? How many of you got a headache yet? I mean, trying to comprehend this is, is difficult at best. How long is eternal? What's fascinating is, what we're saying is, is that we believe in a God who has no beginning and a God who has no end. And there's one day coming where there will no longer be time. So if you're in the watch business, you better be in it now because it's the only time that there's going to be time for a watch business. There's a, there's a time coming, which is another measurement of time. But there is a day coming somewhere in the future, which is a measurement of time, when there will no longer be any time. You will not need calendars and watches and day timers. You will not no longer have to make appointments and you no longer have to punch in a time clock. Hallelujah. Amen. But, but there is a time coming where there will no longer be time. That should give every one of us a headache trying to think about it. Because it's hard to fathom what that means. So, but to truly understand God, we need to understand that God is eternal. And to understand what that means, think about this. God is eternal. What does it mean that God is eternal? Now, many of us like to say, if we wait more than a half an hour in a restaurant, that is what? That's eternity. I mean, it is. It's like, this is an eternity. 30 minutes, we've got to wait. All right? I mean, our youngest daughter... It takes her an eternity to eat a meal. doesn't matter what it is. She can turn a slice of toast 
into eternity. It's incredible. You know, there's been times this year being with the Rams that have seemed like an eternity. Last weekend in Tampa Bay lasted forever. Are we home yet? No. Third movie in the charter flight. Think of the charter flight. They just keep putting movies in. One goes, another one comes. Another one goes, just goes, huh? Is this like over yet? It's like an eternity. Some of you are thinking it's taking eternity for him to make a point. <laughs> Where are we going here? But this is what it means when, you, when we consider that God is eternal. Number one, God has no beginning and he has no end. All right? Point number one. Point number two, you cannot measure God by time and he cannot be controlled by time. All right? Does that make sense? You can't measure God by time and he can't be controlled by time. An interesting study sometime, if you want to really get into this, is take a look at all the words that we translate into forever or eternal. There's seven Hebrew words that are used. There's three Greek words that are used. And if you combine all of those words and what they mean, there's over 1,000 times, there it is again, that the words are used that we translate into eternity or forever. Get, let me just give you some illustrations of it to help you understand what it means when we say that God is eternal. Okay? First, it means completeness. 34 times in the Old Testament, it's used of completeness. 48 times, it's used of long-lasting. For example, God's guidance is long-lasting. Uh, for uh, 93 times, it's used of length, a believer in God's house. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, Psalm 23. How long? Forever, it's used. God's eyes on Israel, 103 times. God's covenant, 129, is dependable, is everlasting, is unending. God's protection of his people is unending. In the New Testament, the word is translated forever. It means endless period of time. The word of God lasts forever. Anyway, the point is, as you go through it, it's no easy subject or it's no small subject in the Bible that over 1,000 different usages of words that we translate into English mean forever or eternal. And to really understand what it means, you go back through and you look at every one of those words, you look at the context, you look at that meaning, and you begin to understand that the Bible clearly teaches that our God is an everlasting God. He is an eternal God. And yet we struggle with trying to understand Him by putting Him and measuring Him by time. How long will He exist? How long has He existed? And yet we need to understand five truths about this whole concept of eternity and I think that by the time we're done, it'll help you understand who God is better so that if anybody ever asks that question, well, wait a minute. It says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, how was God there before everything began? And when was he born? And if you're here to celebrate Christ's birth, does that mean that's when he came into existence? Interesting questions. But they're important ones if we're to understand the God that we say we believe in. So fact number one, before time began, God existed. We've already covered that to some degree where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. See, even that, in the beginning, is a concept of time that God invented. It was God who said, in the beginning, in the beginning of what? Of when he created everything that he's about to create. And then the chapter then outlines and lays out what it is that he did. But God is the one who invented time. Before time began, God existed before that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God was there before it began. It's a fascinating understanding of time. The time that I just spoke those words is now past and gone and we'll never have it back again. 
time continues to go by. But God existed before it began. And as you go through chapter 1 of Genesis, you begin to realize that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the earth forms and void, and the Spirit of God is moving over the surface of the deep. And God then said, let there be light. And he created light. And it goes on. And God said, let there be. And he created. And he took something that didn't exist and made it into something that exists. The word for creation is bare. He took something from nothing and made it into something. If you want to get a headache and you think eternity is tough, think about taking something that didn't exist and making it into something that does. See, in the beginning, God. He was there before it all began. In Hebrews 11.3, the problem that we struggle with, and there's an interesting commentary I ran across. Let me just share this with you. Because it summarizes the point better than I can. It says this. An overview of creation. It says, prior to the creation, there was nothing except the glory of God. Nothing. It is a concept that we, creatures in a physical world, cannot even begin to comprehend, just as the blind cannot comprehend the sunset and the deaf a symphony. Can we conceive of a world without time or space? We can speak of it, think of it, but the truth is is that we cannot really imagine a phenomenon so foreign to our experience. Isn't that true? When people sit down and they read the Bible and say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, God existed before he created everything. How did that happen? And the answer is found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. It's this, by faith. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. By faith. By faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Let's face it. You cannot duplicate any scientific laboratory what the Bible says as far as creation is concerned. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The evidence is there, and we talked about it in great detail. Why do I believe in the existence of God? Number one, because the material universe indicates there's a creator. The design and the order of the material universe indicates even more so to me that there is a creator, that it is not haphazard, that it wasn't random, that it just didn't happen, that it just come about, and now this is the way that it is. But there was a creator who designed it and created it. And as we go through it, we can believe in the existence of God because the Bible teaches it. And we began to look at why should we put our faith and trust in the Bible. So faith always has an object in which we base our trust. And in this particular case, the Bible says it's by faith we believe or understand that the universe was formed at God's command. God said it, and I believe it. Because I know the God whom I say I believe in. But it's difficult for a person without faith to understand what is being taught. It's impossible without faith to please God. And then God isn't asking us to put our faith in just, I hope this is all right. But he give, he's given us tremendous evidence that we can look at and point to and say, you know what? The heavens are the handiwork of God. We can see God's creation. And Romans 1 tells us that all the things that are invisible about God are manifested through what he has made. And we can believe that. And we can put our trust in that. So that's, as you look at this, the Bible clearly teaches it. Before time began, God existed. He had to, because he had to be there to make everything that he made. So he was there. Number two, which is another interesting point as far as the eternal nature of God. Not only did he exist before time began, but he also exists in the past, the present, and the future at the same moment in time. Uh, there you go for a headache, huh? Think about this. God, an eternal God, exists in the past, in the present, 
and in the future all at the same time. Because that's the only way we can understand it, because we have to somehow put it into terms that we can understand better, but that means that, you know what, he exists in the past, the present, and the future at the same time. You go, man, how in the world? Well, consider this. In John 8.58, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, and he told them, he said, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. I tell you the truth that before Abraham was born, I am. Not I was, not I will be, but I am. Now, they understood what he was saying because they all picked up rocks and they wanted to stone him to death because he was claiming to be the eternal God of their fathers. That he was existing before Abraham existed. He was existing. He is existing. And he is always going to exist. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with, with God. And John 1 tells us as we go down through it that He was there and He created everything. And apart from Him, nothing that has come into being has come into being. And to Him was a light, and the light was the light of life. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness didn't comprehend it. And it goes on to say, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of truth and full of grace. See, he was existing in the beginning with the Father, and he created all things that came into being, and then it tells us that he became flesh and dwelt among us. It's critical that we understand when Jesus was born, it wasn't the first time that he came into existence, but it eternally existed forever. They understood what they were saying, what he said, because they wanted to kill him. It's hard for us to understand it, but that's what the Bible teaches. In Revelation 4, 8, we read this. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. He was and is and is to come. Revelation 22, 13, speaking of Jesus, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I am the eternal God. Now, here's how, and this is, this is me, and, and it may not be you, but here's how I understand this. Sports, God uses sports all through the Bible to help us understand. <laughs> Wait a minute now. He does. Run the race and the way to win, not all win. You know what I'm saying? Get that, imper- that, that, that imperishable wreath. You know, fight the good fight, finish the course. Yeah, yeah, God uses sports illustrations all the time. You know what? But I never see any shopping illustrations. So, I don't know what the point is I'm trying to make here. But there's something more spiritual about sports than shopping. Amen. Gentlemen, amen. Amen. Preach it, brother. Preach it now. All right, I hear you. All right. So, Knowing that's the case, that would be what I was doing. Oh, were you trying to say something, ma'am? Fight? I must have taken out of context. The, the lady said, fight the good fight means a good day at the mall. I've been there, and I know that could be true. But anyway. But so anyway, I'm, I'm watching a football game, and, and I'm watching instant replay. All right, you follow this? Okay, this is as far as our technology has gone, but it helps me to understand the, the eternal nature of God. You can watch a football game, and you can watch instant replay. 
and you can see the same people in instant replay doing something that even though we're watching instant replay, they're now doing something else. You follow this? It's deep. So they're doing something else. And, and, and it helps me to understand that, you know, it's kind of like from God's vantage point, He exists in the past, in the present, and in the future, all at the same time, because I don't know how else to explain it without using the word time. He exists. And if you know different than watching instant replay and seeing something that happened already, that now something different is going on, and if we could just have some technology that would then tell us what's going to happen next, we wouldn't even have to go to any sporting events. But anyway, <laughs> but, but, but then it would happen. You, you understand what I'm saying? See, this is why God could show John on the island of Patmos what was going to happen in the future date, because from God's standpoint, it's already done. It's a done deal. So God, being outside of time, can exist simultaneously from our understanding in the past, the present, and the future all at once. That's awesome. That's incredible. And not only that, but since He exists in the past, present, and future all at once, He also dwells outside of time. And if He dwells outside of time, He's not limited by time. Right? He's not limited by it. Think about this. In Isaiah 57, 15, look, it says, For this is what the high and lofty one says, or the high and exalted one, he who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly, to revive the heart of the contrite. He exists, the high and the exalted one. Listen to Psalm 90, verse 4, says this, For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday, when it is past, and like a watch in the night. Second Peter 3, 8, we read this, don't forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. You know, as I begin to understand the eternal nature of God, guess what it helps me to understand about God? His timing is always perfect. He's never late. He's never early. He's always on time. Why? Because he is not limited by it. See, you know what's fascinating to me? Our biggest struggles as people deal with the timing of God. Even in the book of Revelation where the saints below the altar were saying, How much longer, O oh God, must we wait for vengeance against those who shed our blood? And God said, Just still a little while longer. It's a little while longer. Why do you think it is that God says, cease striving and know that I'm God? Chill out, relax, take it easy. That's all the New Living Version translation. You know, kick back. Don't worry about it. Don't be anxious for tomorrow because each day has enough trouble its own. Live for this moment in time because it may be the only moment in time that we have. See, but God isn't limited by time. Being outside of time, he's not controlled by it. And as we look at it, he's not limited to it. And that's why the Bible tells us, don't forget this one thing. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. And so, we're always in a hurry, but God never is. Man, that's comforting to me. Because what it helps me to understand is that he'll never be late on anything that's going on in my life. 
He's never going to miss anything. Relax. It'll be okay. I got it under control. I invented time. You think time's running out. You think there's not enough time. You think, oh my gosh, you know what? We, 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 time is short. We need to do this or that. <laughs> it's not that big a deal. It's amazing to me. If you think about it, how wonderful it is to have the freedom where someone can tell you, hey, you know what? Take your time. And then think of the opposite, the constraint that's put on us when we believe that you're, an exa- you're taking an exam. I mean, yes, I hate this. Ten more minutes. <laughs> Ten more minutes. Oh, man, I better start writing some stuff down. Not for this, over- <laughs> Not for this overview now, waiting for some revelation. It's time to write. Ten more minutes. You think about it in sports. The two-minute warning. Huh. But we're behind by 42. And when you're behind by 42, those last two minutes take forever and eternity. Three, two, one, the buzzer. Eh, we're out of time. Well, you know what? God never runs out of time. Never does. God, he's, not even, he's not even concerned about it. And it helps me to understand, you know what? I can really relax and trust God. Because He is not only outside of it, but since He is the author of it, He invented it, I don't have to worry about it. See, in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. See, even God is the one who tells us, since He invented time, that we are in the last days of the time in which He is giving us. You follow that? In these last days. This is the Bible talking to us. This is God's Word saying, in these last days. Look, I am the author of time, I created time, and I'm telling you that you're in the last days of the time that I have allotted for mankind as far as the program that I have for you on the face of this earth. In these last days. What? He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He, what? Appointed. But in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman. In the fullness of whose time? God's time. His timing is perfect. It was in His timing that He sent His Son. See, God, since He's the author of time, is letting us know that we're slowly running out of time. He is in control of it. And that's good to know. Who made time? God made time. If God made time, how can we measure God by the time He made? Therefore, if God is eternal and He can't be measured by time because He invented time, it's not that unreasonable to conclude logically... That in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and that's fine since He also created time that He could exist before time began. There's nothing illogical about that. He existed before, but you need to understand that in order to share that with someone who would be confused by it to be able to say, look, if God invented time, then He also was there before time began because He invented it. And if He invented time and He invented and created the universe, it's not impossible to understand logically that He was already there because He's eternal. But what does that mean? Well, here I'm trying to explain to you what it means. It's not easy, but it's true. It's not easy to comprehend, but it's easy to understand that this is what the Bible teaches. Which is fascinating. Acts chapter 17, I love this. Because in in the whole context, it is being explained, the Apostle Paul was at Mars Hill and he was explaining to those around him, those who were, you know trying to figure out who God was and they wanted to know God and they were worshiping some unknown God including all the ones that they made up. And this is what he said, for from one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole world. And he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. God has determined the exact time. He has determined the places and the boundaries 
He has established all of that. There isn't a world empire that hasn't risen up that God hadn't determined would. And he also determined when they would also fall away. And what comfort there is to know that God is in control of such great details. And if he can control empires that have risen and fallen, and he determined their boundaries and how far they would go and what they would do, I can put a whole lot of comfort in a God that has that much control and power. Because he has appointed their times. God is the author of time. God determines. God raises up. God removes. It's amazing as you consider what this means as far as eternity is concerned. And number five, the last fact that the Bible lays out that I want to bring up is that God is also in control of time. He created it. He controls it. It's not slipping, it's not slipping by any faster than God already knows. You know, as you get older, and this is really a subject that's close to my heart today, but as you get older, it's amazing to me, as you talk to people who are older, and don't you all forget that most of you are older than me, but then again, time is flying by. Isn't that true? It's like, we, we don't have any control over time. You think about it, and you've got a million things to do, and you've only got so much time to do it, and the time to slip, four, three, two, one, the buzzer. And guess what? You can't control it. You can't add an extra minute to a day. You can't add an extra hour. You can't add an extra day or a year or a month or whatever. We have no control over time. Why? Because God controls it. It's his idea. He invented it, and he also controls it, which is fascinating. Psalm 139, verse 16, the Bible tells us that his eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came into being. That God saw every day. He saw us before we were formed in our mother's womb. He knows every day that he has ordained for us. What a wonderful, comforting thought if you know God. If you know God. Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed for man or destined for man to die once. And after that, to face judgment. Appointed. Time. There is a time... For man to die one time, and then comes judgment. There's no second times. There's no go back and do it over again. There's no, you know, all the Christmas stories that we see and all the programs. There's no going back down and doing a good deed and earning your wings. You know, although that's all cute and fun stuff to watch. None of it is correct, biblically. But, you know, it makes you feel good, and I guess that's all that matters. But it's like, you know what? But there's a point at a time by God to die once. Do you realize, to put this on a personal level, there is a day a time, a moment that every one of us will have to give an account for what we did here on earth as far as God is concerned. And God knows exactly when that moment is. He has destined it. He has determined it. And it's not hard for me to believe that he's done that with my life if he can do it for empires and nations and he can do it for you know anything and everything on the face of the earth. It's not hard for me to believe that he has determined when my time is. And we joke all about it, but the reality of it is, is that God's controlling time. And every moment, and every birthday that you and I celebrate, and every new wrinkle that you see, and every new gray hair that pops up, or hair that falls down in the shower, every one of those things, I want you to stop and think about it for a moment, is a compassionate act on the part of God to remind all of us that our time here on earth is slowly slipping away. You realize that? Daniel 2.21 says that it is God who changes times and seasons. I like that. Every season that goes by, 
Every fall, every winter, every summer, every spring, every season that goes by is God's way of catching our attention to say, hey, you know what? It's another winter. It's another spring. It's another summer. It's another fall. And God has determined that. And he has also used it to remind us that he controls time and we don't. It says, and he sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. And as we go through all these things about the eternal nature of God, let me give, just give you some personal applications. Take it for what it's worth. Number one, if you're a person who has never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and if what the Bible teaches is true as far as the eternal nature of God, then there's some very serious implications that must be addressed. And the simple fact is this. If God is eternal, and the Bible teaches that he truly is, and if God, began, if God existed before time began, if God exists in the past, present, and future at the same moment in time, and he can see yesterday, today, and tomorrow, then it's not hard to understand, for one, wh- whose names he knows are written in the book of life, for example. Those aren't difficult things for God because he's not limited by our actions today. He already knows what we've done already. And so the whole thing of whether we're going to receive Christ or not receive Christ isn't a major concern for God because he already knows. And yet we don't, so we're dealing with time because he invented it, so we're constrained to the moment in time. That's why he tells us to go out and preach the gospel to all the world, even though he knows who will receive him and who won't, because he sees tomorrow, and it's already a done deal from God's vantage point. But the point is for us, we don't have that option or luxury, so we do what God commands us to do in the present tense. But the point is this, is if God is eternal, rejecting him is also something that will have eternal consequences. Jesus often taught that if those who would refuse him or would not receive him, they would be sent to a place of eternal condemnation for eternity, for forever. However you want to measure it, it doesn't matter because there is no time or way to measure eternity. It's just forever, period, amen. And then we begin to understand that we don't have the luxury of controlling time. Therefore, today is the day of the Lord. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you better do it today because you don't know whether you'll have another minute left on this earth because God is controlling the time and it's important for you to die once. Then comes judgment. And are you ready for the day of your judgment? See, we cannot hesitate. We cannot wait. We have to have a sense of urgency when we share with our friends and family because we don't know if there's another moment that God has ordained for them or appointed for them to live on the face of this earth. And if it is appointed to die once, then comes judgment, and that's it. That's the last chance. There's no more tomorrows. Then guess what? It should excite us to let people know that Jesus Christ, if he can condemn someone for eternity, the good news is he can also offer them eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would have what? Would have eternal life. Would not but have everlasting life. One of the greatest messages of the Bible and of God's forgiveness is found in 1 John 5, 11 through 13. Let me read this to you. And this is the witness that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. If God is an eternal being, he can also offer eternal life. And this life is in his Son, and he who has the Son has the life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. And these things I have written to you, that you may know that you have eternal life. That's exciting, because God is eternal. We who believe in his Son can live for all of eternity with him. 
because God is eternal. We can count on him to do what he has said. Psalm 105.8 says this, He has remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded for a thousand generations. God doesn't change his mind because he's eternal and he sees yesterday, today, and forever. He knows what goes on in the future and he's never late. He's always on time. For any crisis that comes up in my life, I can trust him because he already knows how it's going to turn out. There's some comfort in that. We have no need to be afraid because he's also eternal. See, it's a wonderful truth when we understand the eternal nature of God. It's not easy to comprehend and it's not something that many of us would sit down and go, I really want to understand what it means that God is eternal but it could change our lives in a positive way. Let me read you this poem in closing because it kind of ties into what we talked about and also ties into Christmas. But you think about it, you listen to it because the message speaks for itself. It says, "'Twas a night before Jesus came and all through the house, not a creature was praying, not one in the house. Their Bibles were laying on the shelf without care in hopes that Jesus would not come there. The children were dressing to crawl into bed, not once ever kneeling or bowing ahead. And mom and her rocker with baby on her lap, was watching the late show while I took a nap. When out of the east there arose such a clatter, I sprang to my feet to see what was the matter. Away in the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. When what to my wondering eyes should appear, but angels proclaiming that Jesus was here. With a light like the sun sending forth a bright ray, I knew in a moment that this must be that day. The light of his face made me cover my head. It was Jesus returning like he had said. And though I possessed worldly wisdom and wealth, I cried when I saw him in spite of myself. And the book of life which he held in his hand was written the name of every saved man. He spoke not a word as he searched for my name. When he said, it's not here, my head hung in shame. The people whose names had been written with love he gathered to take to his father above. With those who were ready, he rose without a sound, while all the rest of us were left standing around. I fell to my knees, but it was too late. I had waited too long, and thus sealed my fate. I stood and I cried as they rose out of sight. Oh, if only I had been ready tonight. In the words of this poem, the meaning is clear. The second coming of Jesus is soon drawing near. There's only one life, and when it has come to its last call, we'll find that the Bible was true after all. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you give us this moment in time to choose to receive the gift that you have given, that indescribable gift. You tell us that while we are yet sinners, you sent Christ to die for us. God, we just pray that each person that has never invited Jesus Christ to be the Lord of their life would do so and not waste another moment in time. Because we understand that you as an eternal God have controlled time, that you invented time, that you understand exactly how much time we have and how critical and urgent it is that we respond to your love. You also tell us that those who reject your Savior, who reject your gift, will spend eternity, forever, separated from your love in a place of unmentionable punishment and torture and anguish And God, we just pray that those around us who don't know you would sense that reality in their life. God, we just pray also for those of us who have come to know and to trust in Jesus Christ, that we would understand what it means that you're an eternal God, that we would understand that your timing is always perfect and we can see striving and we can know that you're God and we can relax in your presence because you sit outside of time, because you've created it. 
You know the beginning and you know the end. You're the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And God, what comfort there is in knowing that you already know how things turn out. And we just pray that we can be obedient today. And as we celebrate Jesus coming to this earth, not coming into existence for the first time, but coming in the form of a baby, taking on the appearance of man so that he could suffer and die for our sins. We just thank you for him and for what he has done to open the way to heaven for us. But we also realize that there's a day coming in the future when he will come as the judge of the living and the dead. And his kingdom will have no end. And we just thank you and praise you that we who have trusted in him will be part of that. And we just thank you for this time and thank you for your word in Christ's name. Amen.